Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, what a blessing it is to uh, be here and worship with you. So glad that you're, you've joined us for worship today. And, and we continue our series on prayer. And I want to get right in to the word. Uh, Acts chapter number 12 and verses 1 through 5. This may seem like a really odd text for us to look at this morning, but uh, I'm sensing God has something to share with us. Acts chapter number 12 and verses 1 through 5 from the New International Version. It reads, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handed him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intending to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Again, I'm so thrilled to see all of you who are in the room, or one of our rooms at our other locations, and those of you online. I'm asking all of you who can hear me right now to please be in prayer with me and for me that God would have his way. Because I'm going to admit to you that it's true on every occasion. There's no way I can deliver God's message without God's presence and God's power. So please pray with me through uh, this message. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for the opportunity to worship you. I do pray, Father, that my preaching would not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and of power. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's topic is praying with persistence. Praying with persistence. See, it's God's desire for us to pray. You don't have to look at, at the word uh, too long to realize that he tells us uh, to continue instant in prayer, to be sober and watch into prayer, to pray without ceasing and continue in prayer. Christ even instructed his disciples to watch and pray. I feel safe in making the statement that we have been praying at crossings. I don't believe you get to where we are, get to experience what we are experiencing, and see God working the way he is working without us calling on God in prayer, individually and also as a church. As a result of God working in response to your prayers this time last year, you were praying mightily. Some of you were just really praying, seeking God's guidance and, and wisdom with us. But as a result of those prayers, I am thrilled to uh, report to you that we are now worshiping every Sunday at the community center. Yes. Glory to God. Even as followers of Christ who are experiencing God working in wonderful ways, the reality is that in and of ourselves, we are powerless over some situations, some circumstances, and some people. Our powerless reality can sometimes disappoint us, discourage us, and even depress us. Because of his commitment to Christ Jesus, Peter was in prison. 
I'll pause to remind us life won't always be pleasing and pleasurable. May I remind us when we are persistent in prayer, God can use those occasions to grow us, strengthen us, and use us beyond our expectations. Here's a reality check. What happened when we prayed in the past can influence our prayers in the present. You would likely agree, if we have experienced God moving in a mighty way in the past, we're more likely to trust him for a similar or greater move in the present. But what happens when prayers in our past didn't produce the result or answer that we thought it should? That's who I want to talk to. I want to talk for a minute. I'll get back to the rest of you, but I want to talk to a minute to those individuals who have prayed and what you prayed for didn't result in the way that you thought it should. As we step into the text, we see in verses 2 and 3, James had been executed by Herod, and Peter was on the brink of death. The church would likely have prayed for James, and the result was that James was killed. Now imagine that for a moment. If the church had prayed for James, if the church had prayed, God, get James out of the grasp of Herod. Deliver him from death. Keep him, Lord, from any harm. If the church had prayed for James, and yet James was executed by Herod. And now the church prayed for Peter in this text. But based on their reaction when Peter showed up at the door of Mary's house, they may not have been praying in expectation of his physical release. Remember, sometimes, you know, I mentioned to you that sometimes the results of our prayers in the past might influence what we pray for in the present. They could more likely have been praying for him to be strong in his predicament and face his impending death with faith. One writer makes the observation that when Peter arrived at the door, they were more ready to believe that he was dead and it was his angel than they were to believe that he was alive and at the door. Now, it may, uh, I, I, you have to excuse me because I tend to find things to chuckle about in the Word, so I just go ahead and just, uh, when I read it, I'm like, so, so they were more willing to believe that it was a ghost at the door than it was Peter which indicates that possibly they were not praying in expectation of Peter's release. The truth is, some of y'all are, are like me, you like to laugh when you're reading the word. Truth is, God no doubt heard and answered their prayer for James. The problem is that we have to remember, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And at other times, God says, wait, or not right now. And I've had those experiences in my life. In fact, I'll share one with you that I had almost this time, exactly this time last year. This time last year, to be exact, it was uh, March the 3rd of last year. My youngest sister uh, surprisingly passed from this life. 
I say that it's a, a surprise because she had been moved from a long-term, a short-term care facility to a long-term care facility on that given day. And her husband had got her all situated. He had sat with her that day up to about nine o'clock where the two of them said their goodbyes to each other for the day in full expectation of them seeing each other the very next morning. But yet shortly before midnight, my brother-in-law received a call that my sister had passed from this life. I bring up the story uh, not so much uh, to focus on that piece of what happened because that was a situation where we didn't even get a chance to pray for God to preserve her. We didn't see it coming. But there was an occasion just a couple of months before where my sister in December of 2021, she had contracted COVID and she was placed on a ventilator and she was sedated. The doctor told us as the family, she would not come off of that ventilator alive. In fact, I'm telling you, I spoke personally to this doctor and he told me that's what he said. So in early December, she's on the ventilator we're praying. Our, my natural family is praying. I had people here in the Crossings family praying. We didn't know what God would do, but we were calling on God because we knew God had authority. Again, surprisingly enough, on December the 21st of 2021, my sister came off the ventilator. Glory to God. She came off the ventilator, she started talking, and we knew that she was herself when we heard that the word she spoke early on, once she came off the ventilator is, she said, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm ready to eat something. <laughs> so we knew, okay, she's back now. So God brought her, because we couldn't do it, we just, by the grace of God, it had to be by the grace of God, that God allowed us to have a little over two and a half months more with her that none of us were even expecting. During that time, we got a, a chance to really uh, just invest time with her, love her. Uh, she, would, she expressed her love to us. Uh, and We saw her more during that time probably than we had seen in the previous year because many of us were seeing her every night uh, after work and every day on the weekend. And so at her funeral, one of the pastors made this statement. He said, I just believe that God gave you uh, this little over two and a half months in order to allow you to love your sister, talk with her, and say goodbye to her. And I tend to agree with the pa that pastor. Now, I'm going to say to you, not everyone gets that chance. I'm acknowledging that. Somebody listening to me, you didn't even get that chance. But I agree with the pastor. But I also believe God was doing something else. God also showed us that he has all authority and he has the final say when she would leave. We thought she was leaving in December. But God said, no, she's not. <laughs> but God said she was leaving in March. And we yielded to God's plan. 
Now, I don't pretend to understand what God does, when he does it, God's timing. I don't pretend to have all of those answers. But one thing I know, God has all authority. And when things like that happen, we had a decision. We could either pull away from God or we could press in. That decision was ours. God blessed us, blessed us to understand that he is still God and he is still working for our good. And I'm sharing that with somebody today. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I'm sharing with you. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what your previous prayers, the results of those prayers have been. But I do want you to know that God loves you. God still is on your side and he's still working for your good. No matter what your recent or distant past experience with prayer has been, I remind you that God hears our prayer, God answers our prayer, and God is able to exceed our expectations. Let's drop back into verse number five. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for, for him. The church was persistent and passionate in prayer. That word earnestly piques my attention. It's a Greek word, uh, that was used to describe a horse made to go at full gallop. It indicates that of a strenuous and sustained effort as that of an athlete. Their passion indicates to me that they were not forced to pray. They wanted to pray. And that's the first thing I want to share with you today, that, that prayer is an awesome privilege. This is a privilege that can't be purchased with all the money in the world. I don't care how much money you have, you cannot purchase the privilege that God gives us through prayer. We have a standing invitation to enter the presence of God who is the creator and ruler of the universe. We get to pray. Through prayer, we have the extraordinary privilege of experiencing the presence of God. Would you receive for a moment this morning that the creator and ruler of the universe wants to be in relationship with you? The one who is the reason for everything that exists and the one who has the authority over everything that exists, he wants to be in relationship with you, and he invites, he invites us to, to come to him in prayer to develop and deepen our relationship with him. It is a privilege to pray. We get to speak to God, and God wants to be involved with us. God knows us best. Oh, he knows our success. He knows all there is to know about me. He knows all there is to know about you. Don't let that scare you, okay? <laughs> It scares me sometimes that he knows so much about me. But he knows, all, he knows about your successes. Yeah, he, he knows how great you are. He knows about your gifts and your skills. He knows all about that. But God also knows about every mistake you made. Yes, you know, he knows about every failure. He knows about every fault. He knows about every time you said something when you should have just been quiet. He knows about every action that you took that you wish you could take back. 
God knows all about. He knows, he knows us best. But here's the kicker. He loves us best as well. Knowing all there is to know about us. God loves us more and better than anyone else can love us. And to God be the glory that he sees fit to invite us into his presence, even though we're undeserving, even though we can't earn it, even though we can't pay for it. God says, I know all there is to know about you, but I have a privilege for you, my sister. I have a privilege for you, my brother. I want you to come into my presence as holy as I am and, 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 as, and as fault written as you are. God is saying, come on to me and spend some time in my presence. It is a privilege for us to pray. When we pray, God involves us in his plans. We get to seek and do God's will. We get to hear from God. We don't, we don't have to figure out the complexities of life all by ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I don't have to figure it out all by myself. I mean, those of you who are close to me, you know this. For those of you who don't know this, I'm not smart enough to figure this out myself. Uh, you may be able to do it, but I, I, I can't figure life out by myself. I'm grateful that God gives me the privilege to, to share with me his plans, to allow me to see his will and to do his will and allow me to, to understand what the next step ought to be because a lot of times I just don't know. I'm just glad that God gives me the privilege to say, here's your step. I'm glad God orders my steps that he instructs us and he teaches us in the way that we should go. I said, I'm glad I don't have to Understand the complexities of life all by myself. And look at this. We can go to God with anything and everything. Philippians 4 and 6 says this. New International Version. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Anything and everything, whatever we're going through, whatever the past has brought into our life, whatever the present difficulties or struggles that we're having, whatever the future may hold, look at what Paul says. This is a man who was in prison when he wrote this. So Paul knew what he's talking about. He says, bring every situation to God in prayer. But I want to underscore real quickly that piece, thanksgiving. Look at what he says. He says, he says with thanksgiving. Sometimes when we're going through things, our having gone through some things. I mean, we may wonder, what in the world do we have to be thankful for? Sometimes we, it might be difficult. Depending on how painful our situation is and how much the problems we've had in the past, we may have difficulty uh, listing things to be thankful for. I want to give you uh, a suggestion or two. If you can't think of anything else to give God thanks for, may I just suggest to you that you give God thanks for the fact that you're alive. Amen. <laughs> Can I give you just one more? Will you at least put on your list that you give God thanks that he has given you access through Christ Jesus to him and his presence, no matter what you might be going through, no matter how much pain you have today, he, is, he has given us access to him. 
the creator and the ruler of the universe through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us. You're alive and you have access to the true and the living God through Christ Jesus. I, I should remind you that praying is not informing God of that which he doesn't know. Just in case you were wondering. It is trusting God with what we know and also trusting God with what we don't know. God's presence, plans, and provision prevails over prison, persecution, and any other problem we may experience. What a privilege it is to talk to someone who knows everything, sees everything, and is in charge of everything. Prayer is a privilege. We get to pray. So the early church showed us that, that and it was a privilege. They get to pray. But there's another thing that they're showing us. They're also showing us that prayer is an appropriate priority. In other words, that we ought to always pray. So we get to pray. They're showing us we got to pray. <laughs> and I'm saying to you, not only do I get to, I got to. Look at, look at uh, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the early church was saying, no matter what else is on our schedule, no matter what else is on our agenda, we're going to do these four things. We are going to gather together. We're, we're going to fellowship. We're going to sit under the teaching of God's word. We're going to commune together in the taking of the Lord's Supper, and we are going to pray. No matter what else we do, we're going to make sure that these things are a priority. They were saying, we've got to pray. They had a commitment to pray first and pray continually. Sometimes when I read the word, you know, when I, I'm looking at this passage here, and I, sometimes I look at it and I, I, I ask myself to get an appreciation of what they didn't do. So I just want to share with you a few things they didn't do. At least the word doesn't say they did it. Do you notice they didn't uh, put together a protest? Don't throw anything at me this morning. <laughs> they, 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 didn't, they didn't say, hey, everybody sign this petition. You notice that the word doesn't say anything about them complaining. Okay, that got me. It didn't get you, but that got me. <laughs> but it says they prayed. Now, if God tells you to take political action, if he tells you to sign a petition, right, he probably won't tell you to complain because that would be against his word. But if he tells you to do some of those other things, you go do it. But what I'm saying to you, first of all, let's do what the early church showed us we ought to do individually and as a church, and that is pray first. Verse 5 says, the church prayed for Peter. They took him to God in prayer. We have an opportunity to pray for others. It is an action of love to pray for someone. But they also prayed together. They prayed with each other. No matter what has happened in the past, talk with God in the present because our future belongs to God. Peter knew that his future belonged to God so he could go to sleep. You look at Acts 12, he can go to sleep. Now we read Philippians 4 and 6. I want to show you Philippians 4 and 7. Remember Philippians 4 and 6 said, in everything, you know, 
in every situation, go to God with thanksgiving, with prayer and petition. But look at verse seven. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see that? So God is, in fact, he's inviting us to bring our problems to him, no matter how painful they are, and we do experience pain. I, I am not insensitive to that. I, I, can, you know, I can attest to that. We, we do suffer in this life. But God is saying no matter how painful it is and how difficult it is, he's saying, bring it to me in prayer. And then he's saying to us in verse number seven, look at it, he's saying to us, I got an exchange for you. <laughs> you give me your problems. You bring your problems to me, and I'm going to exchange you. I'm going to give you my peace. I don't know about you, but I love that exchange. We get to give God our struggles, our problems, our troubles, and God is saying to us, he will give us his peace. The problem is some of us think peace and problems are mutually exclusive, and they're not. God is saying we can have peace even in the midst of our problems. Even in the midst of our pain, we can have peace in him. Now, comfort and peace are two different things. Peter wasn't necessarily comfortable in prison, but he was at peace enough to go to sleep. Appreciate that for a moment. He's chained on both sides. Got an iron gate. They have 16 guards. And Peter is on the brink of death, Herod planning to kill him. And what is Peter doing? He's sleeping. Because he realizes that his future is in the hands of God. See, prayer is a pathway to the peace of God through Christ Jesus. It's a got to. We've got to pray. Third, prayer activates ultimate power. Prayer was their go-to action. So they get to pray, then they got to pray, but we're seeing here it was their go-to action. Let me explain to you what a go-to action is. Uh, and and I, I'll do it real quickly, okay? So, so some of you may be old enough to remember uh, this guy who played basketball, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had this move that he called a sky hook. And he worked and worked on that sky hook. He practiced and practiced on this sky hook. He was so tall that his arms uh, seemed to be about the length of my height, right? <laughs> and, and he had this sky hook, and they, they, would, they would call that play over and over again, and the people knew when Kareem got the ball, he was going to do this sky hook, but because he was so tall and because of the way he threw the sky hook, you would have had to have been 15 or 20 foot tall in order to block that shot. It was his go-to move. Well, I know, I see some of you, you're too young to know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. So, yeah, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so maybe you know this guy named Michael Jordan. Yeah, maybe some of you have some Jordans on. Or is the other, this, this may be a reason why. Michael Jordan had this go-to move. And he had the, he'd go down to the baseline. He'd get the defender on, on his backside. And, and everybody, I'm sitting there watching him on television saying, he's going to shoot that shot. He's going to make that, he's going to go down to the baseline and he's going to spin around really fast and he's going to lean back and he's going to shoot this shot 
And he's going to lean back and shoot it because if he doesn't, no one is tall enough to block it. And they could not stop it with one defender. Couldn't stop it. Okay. Well, let me get the youngest in here. You don't remember Michael either. All right. Well, real quick, let me. How about the Super Bowl? Maybe you got a chance to watch the Super Bowl. You saw the Kansas City Chiefs and you saw the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, those of you are Kansas City Chiefs fans, you know, you, you got yours, you want it. I want to give some love to the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> All right, I got some Philadelphia Eagles fans. I just want to call attention real quickly to their, to, to their play. They had this play that, that they ran when they needed one yard when they were about to turn, turn the ball over on downs. And it was one yard. And what they would do is they would run this play with Jalen Hurts and the people behind him, and they would force their way to get that one yard. Teams saw that play time and time and time again throughout the season. They saw it in the Super Bowl, but the interesting thing about it is they couldn't stop it. I'm telling you <laughs> that our enemy will smile as long as all we're doing is talking about prayer. We can talk about it all day long, but you start praying <laughs> when you that make it your go-to move, your go-to action, and all of a sudden the enemy gets nervous because he knows what's happening now is we're about to activate that ultimate power that only comes from the true and the living God. And God has seen fit to engage us in what he wants to do in this world, and we get to call on him. I'll prove it to you. In, in James 5, 17 and 18, he used Elijah. And it says Elijah was human just like we are. And it says that Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and it rained. Do you know God could have kept it from raining without Elijah praying? You know, God could do things without us. Oh, thank you. I feel y'all understand that. Good thing I'm in the right place here. <laughs> he really can't do things without us, but he chooses to use us. He calls on us to invite us into the situation to fulfill his purpose and plan for the world. He allows us to be part of it. We can pray and activate God's power to accomplish his will. Somebody say amen today. Well, I'll just wrap it up. The, the story, you know how the story ends in Acts chapter number 12, right? So Peter got released. Chains fell off. Iron gate opened up. Peter's walking out. He's in a daze, kind of like I would be. You ever dream? You, know, you ever be in a problem and you go to sleep and then you dream that you're out of it, then you wake up and you realize you're still in it? That's just me. I'm the Right? <laughs> That's what Peter thought. But then Peter realized, I'm out. He went knocking on the door. He locked on Mary's door. Rhoda uh, answered the door. The servant answered the door. Saw Peter, got so excited, ran back and told them, Peter's at the door, but slammed the door in his face. It's so funny to me. <laughs> it's so, it is. It is so, it's fine to be your kids, you know, uh, years ago. My kids said, come home. Daddy's home. Bam. <laughs> Could I please get in? <laughs> they were more ready to believe that it was Peter's angel than it was Peter at the door. But let me share with you, to just share, remind you that God has all authority. Later on after this, 
Herod gave a speech, same chapter, Acts number 12. Herod gave a speech, and Herod didn't give praise to God. And the Bible says that God saw fit to take his life. And then in Acts 12, 24, it said, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. See, we are seeing the victorious progress of the gospel. John Stott wrote this. This chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod triumphing. It closes with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing. <laughs> oh. oh, that's God, isn't it? I just, I'm going to close out. I just engage, I ask you to engage in prayer with me. And I'm going to give you three places, if you would, engage in prayer with me. You can pray, add more to this. One is pray for those who are suffering. There are those who are suffering um, in, in many ways. Please remember them in prayer with me. Those who are in prison. So we have people in prison responding to the gospel. And those who still need to respond to the gospel, please be in prayer for them have people in Joseph Harp, we have people in, in Mabel Bassett, we have people in Jess Dunn, we have people in different plate prisons around this state. Please be in prayer for them. And also people who are imprisoned in other ways. There are people who are in the grips of addiction, right under our noses. There are people who are in the grips of shame and guilt. There are things that are gripping people today, and I'm asking you as, as God's people to join me in prayer in those areas. But also please pray for those who are without Christ. I just don't know how, how a person can make it without Christ. I mean, I, I, I couldn't make it without Christ. But there are people who are attempting to live this life without Christ, and I'm asking you to join with me in prayer for them as well. Pray. I'm going to ask our, our prayer teams to come forward at this time as we pray, and we invite you to allow us to pray with you as the church prayed together. We want to pray with you. It is a privilege. So when we close out the service, we're asking you to come up and allow us to engage with you and to take your needs to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We do ask you, Lord, to, to move in a mighty way in the lives of those who are suffering, those who are in prison in multiple ways, Lord, physical prison, but also those who are imprisoned uh, by other means. And for those, Lord, who are without Christ, we ask you, uh, individually and as a church, that you show us the steps you would like us to take in order to reach more individuals for Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for the wonderful opportunity and privilege you give us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week.